Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Randall Church. We're so glad you're here with us this morning. I know there's still people coming in the back. Make sure you come on in. Lots of room down front. If you're watching online, we're glad to have you here as well. Would you all stand here in the room? Join us together as we sing, Come, Let Us Worship Our King. Here we go. You free. 
Good morning. It is good to see all of you this morning. Welcome to Randall Church. My name is Jeremy. I'm the family minister here, and we're so glad that you're joining us, whether in person or online, whether it's your first time or your 1,000th time joining us. We're glad that you are here. And here at Randall Church, we want to help every man, woman, and child find your place upward with Christ, inward in the church, and outward in the community. And one of the ways that we can help you do that is by helping connect you with the connection card that you can find in the seat back in front of you. We would encourage you to fill that out, whether you're new or you've been here for a while, to help you get more connected, maybe share a prayer request that our staff can be praying for you. So you can fill that out in front of you and then leave it in the offering box uh, as you leave this morning. Got a number of announcements to share with you this morning. The first is next Sunday, uh, January 29th, two of our missionary partners, uh, Tim and Mindy Callahan, are going to be visiting us. Uh, We're really excited for that. It's always great when some of our partners can come and share. And so they're going to share a little bit uh, here in the service next week. And then they're also going to be sharing with our children downstairs as uh, we're doing a a special lesson kind of focused on what is a missionary. And it's really cool. Uh, We scheduled that without realizing that they would be here. Uh, And so it worked out perfectly that we're going to actually have missionaries sharing with our kids what a missionary does. Very excited about that. After service next Sunday, there's also a luncheon with them that you are all invited to. So I would encourage you to do that uh, next Sunday so you can uh, talk with them, maybe learn more about who they are and what the work that they have done in Brazil. Uh, Groups have started. Groups started last week, and there is still time to sign up. Would encourage you to sign up. Lots of great groups, most of them happening on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m., but but there are groups that happen at other times as well, and so would encourage you to to sign up. You can go to groups.randallchurch.org to be able to look at all of the groups that are offered for this semester. The Stock Car Derby is coming up quickly. It's happening uh, in just uh, just in March. Um, and so I want to clarify a couple of things. I know two weeks ago I came up and I, I shared some misinformation. I said it was for CSB and GLOW uh, kids. That is not true. It is for them, but it is also for everybody else as well, no matter your age. Um, so anyone can participate. So if you want to live your derby dreams, build in your car, please sign up and do that. It would be awesome. Um, And you can sign up uh, at a kiosk back uh, in the back of the sanctuary. There are also kits available that you can pick up either Sundays or Thursday nights, as well as a work day coming up. So if you need help, um, helping to design the car and, and, and make it and mold it into the winning car that you know of your dreams. Um, on January 28th, there is a workday to help do that. You can sign up at workday.randallchurch.org. You can also sign up for the Derby at derby.randallchurch.org. Lots of links that I'm telling you about. You can find all of that on this sheet of paper that you can pick up on your way out as well. Finally, uh, the Buffalo Bills are making a run for the Super Bowl. We all believe that they're going to make the Super Bowl this year. And so in anticipation of that, uh, we are not having a Super Bowl party here at Randall Church this year. Um, But I I don't have anything concrete to announce yet. 
but in the next couple of weeks, we will have um, some upcoming uh, fellowship opportunities uh, for us as a church to gather together, have a lot of fun, um, and, and fellowship together. So more on that coming soon. But for right now, no Super Bowl party because we're anticipating the Bills are going to be in the Super Bowl. Uh, we know they're going to be in the Super Bowl this year. Uh, for sure. See, got some claps there. That's right. That's right. This Sunday is a, uh, we want to focus on some grace stories, some stories of, of what God's doing in the life of our church. And so um, to share those, I'm going to hand it over to Milo who's going to share some of that. Well, good morning. My name is Pastor Milo. It's good to have you here this morning. Uh, we do each month. We have a week that we talk about grace stories, and some of them, uh, my daughter actually saw it on the schedule. She said, oh, is there a baptism this morning? Not this morning. Uh, that is one way that we share grace stories. Uh, but we also like to have the opportunity to share just different ways in the life of our church that God is at work with his people. And um, so I want to share with you a few stories this morning with people uh, who may or may not be in the room that God used over the last uh, few months uh, and, and they don't actually know that I'm going to talk about them because they don't want to talk about themselves. But the reality is uh, God is using them. And, and specifically, this affected all of us, uh, was last month during uh, the Christmas surprise blizzard uh, that we all had. Um, we were all kind of tied down. It was difficult for us to get out and to uh, necessarily check in on your neighbors and those type of things unless they were in your immediate vicinity. And so what ended up happening is uh, behind the scenes, many of you uh, might know this, but maybe not. Uh, the elders uh, were talking to the deacons and our, our care corridors is what we call them uh, to be able to find out what was going on specifically in each neighborhood, ways that we could be praying for, uh, uh, encouraging, and, and being able to know if there's some crisis or concerns that we could help with. But the reality was, was we aren't going to be able to probably physically help in any specific way, uh, at least not congregation as a whole, because the way that this storm kind of laid itself out. And so what ended up happening is we kind of put the word out, and there was a number of people who responded to say, I am free, I am mobile, I can get around if help is needed. And we had a few times uh, where that happened. Um, Matt Strands is not here this morning, but if you know Matt, he has a giant Jeep. It's a Jeep that could drive over the roof of this building, you would expect. Uh, but he was trapped, of all people, he was trapped and could not get out of his apartment complex, and he had been there uh, for about three days and couldn't get out of that area. And so uh, he uh, was is a young single man who didn't have supplies for more than a couple of days. And so uh, what ended up happening is another guy who's been coming to church for only a little while, he responded, uh, uh, Scott is his name, uh, Scott Swenson, he responded and said, I'm free, I'm able, uh, when the time is right, I'll get there. And so he was able to get there. Uh, drag him through the snow uh, to get in his car, and then they went to the grocery store and were able to get groceries and cover his needs uh, in that. And so just a real practical way that our congregation uh, was able to serve and maybe not the specific ways uh, that we've served in other times, uh, been able to do that. Another person is Dave Winarski. Many of you know Dave. Uh, Dave uh, has professional business where he is, uh, works with HVAC and different things like that. But he kind of made his rounds. He was out and about. And he, there's many of you that he may have stopped in to see because there's a lot of HVAC problems that happen where people's furnaces, either the pilot light had gone out or different things like that. And Dave made himself available. He made a lot of stops. And he actually, uh, thank you, Dave, he prioritized uh, our congregation and sometimes be able to say, I'll, I'll help them first and then I'll get to my other uh, calls that are coming in. And I know of one family in spe uh, specifically, uh, Jonathan Santiago and Nicole, where they had been down for a number of days 
and he went in after a bird is what ended up happening. He had to go in after a dead bird, get the bird out in order for their furnace to fire up and uh, to be able to heat the house after being out of heat for about four days. So Dave, thank you for doing that. We certainly appreciate that. Uh, behind me, Josh, uh, many of you uh, watched and paid attention to our Christmas Eve uh, presentation. Um, that was kind of on a whim where we, we decided to record a rehearsal uh, in case, maybe, all of us walked away saying, yeah, we'll see you guys on Christmas Eve. There's no way that there's going to be enough snow to make a, a big deal about this. And, um, but uh, Josh took the footage home from that rehearsal. Turned out that the, the SD card that he had it on was corrupted, and so he wasn't able to use any of it until he had to figure out how to do something. I don't know what you did, but you reprogrammed the card and got all the information off of it and then worked for a solid 10 hours more uh, to put together that Christmas Eve video so that we as a congregation actually were able to come together Christmas Eve. And so behind the scenes, just someone who is working like crazy with that. And then just yesterday, uh, you all know um, the Flanners in that you know uh, uh, Vicki and John here as the church, but some of you also know uh, Mike and Bev Flannery. Uh, they work in the Frontier Baptist office downstairs. Uh, there was flooding. Uh, their sump pump went out. This is just yesterday. Sump pump went out. There's flooding in the basement. And uh, uh, Chance Soda was involved in just going and serving and making sure uh, that they were getting things back in order. Um, I share these stories with you uh, not to uh, put people at the forefront or in a spotlight, but you'll understand that there's something beautiful about the church coming together. And God's grace does uh, demonstrate itself when sometimes the real practical, real physical ways uh, when we need help and there's someone there. And there's so many other ways that people are responding. We've got people who are... Uh, in need at the, in the hospital and nursing homes and things like that and, and meals are coming in and, and phone calls are being made and letters are being written just to care for one another as a church and, and we just want to say thank you to you for doing that and showing God's love in these really, really practical ways because that bridge of God's love is the way that always we see the gospel uh, transferred one to another. So all of these different names that I listed, we just give a general round of applause thanking them for the work that they're doing and what God has done. Thanks, guys. We appreciate that. The kids are getting antsy. They're in the front row right here, and they're like, man, I don't know how long I have to sit here. I'm ready to go. Yes, kids, you can go. Kids, you are dismissed to your kids' programming. Would the rest of you stand up and find someone you haven't met yet this morning and, and welcome them to Randall Church? Ask them the question of the day and see if they've got a response for you. Bring your attention back to the front. 
sing together. I search the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise, treasures that fade, are never enough. And you came along, put me back together. Better than 
Daily 
before you this morning, prone to wander, prone to chase after our own things, prone to do what we want to do. Lord, as we look this morning in the book of Jonah, as we look at someone who's constantly on the run and we want to blame and point fingers, Lord, may we be reminded that this is what's in our heart as well. We are also prone to wander. Lord, as this song says, Lord, we we want to give our hearts to you this morning. May our hearts be prepared for what you have to say to us here in this place, in this room, right now. We love you, Lord. We thank you for these moments. In Jesus' name we pray.
Would you remain standing for this morning's scripture reading? We'll be reading out of the book of Jonah, chapter 2, verse 1 through 10. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. He said, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I have been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, good morning, Randall Church. Glad to be here with you this morning. That was fancy. I like that. I like that. That was good. Apparently you didn't. That's okay. Um, As we continue in this sermon series that we are calling A Tale of Two Hearts, uh, we are looking at the book of Jonah. And what we see throughout the book of Jonah is a tale of two hearts, God's heart and Jonah's heart. And what's happening all throughout the book is that God is bringing Jonah's heart aligned with his heart, with God's heart. And we see an important part of that story today here in chapter 2. If you've ever been out in the ocean or or even out in Lake Erie or some large body of water, uh, then you know that once you get to a certain point, you can no longer see the land, right? All you can see is water all around you. And if you're slightly morbid like I am, then maybe you've had the thought, man, if I fell into this, there is just no hope for me. If I fell in and and nobody knew about it, there is no way that I am getting out of here. Listen, I joined the swim team in high school because, not because I was good at swimming, because I was so bad at swimming. And I was like, well, I'm too ashamed to take swimming lessons as a a high schooler, you know? So maybe I'll join the swim team, learn a little better. Maybe I'll be able to compete by the end. And I never could, because I could never make it even one way to the other side of the pool. All right? So 
when I'm in water, it's not good. I'm a doggy paddler, okay? Uh, that's just truth bomb on myself, and I'm not ashamed to let you know it. Uh, and that's okay. But if I fell in, there's really no hope for me. There's no hope for me. And because when you think about it, on the earth, there is nothing wider, there's nothing deeper than the open seas. The earth is covered 71% with water. There's a lot of water on this earth. And there's nothing deeper or wider on this earth than the oceans and the seas that God has made. But there is something deeper and wider. And that's the chasm between sinful man and holy God. And yet there's still something even deeper and wider than that. And that is the abounding grace and mercy of God. Today we find Jonah in the middle of the sea. You remember last week in chapter 1, uh, God hurled a storm onto the sea as Jonah was running away. And, and what he is doing is he is bringing Jonah back. Jonah is running away from the call that God called him to, to go and preach to the city of Nineveh. And Jonah gets up and he goes the other way. God calls him to go west, he goes east. And so he gets on this ship and he goes out to the Mediterranean Sea. And God hurls a storm on the sea in order to bring him back. And he had to get the men of the ship to throw him overboard in order to save them to get uh, the, the sea to calm down so that they may be saved from the storm, but also so that he can make one last attempt to run away from God by going to the depths of the sea, by sinking to his death. And yet it's as he is sinking to his death that he comes to realize, I do need to call out to the Lord. And I, I do want to call out to the Lord. I, I don't want to go on this path any longer, running away from God. You ever wonder why God didn't just have the boat go back? I, I mean, we saw, I, I believe it was in verse 13 last week, that, that the men on the boat, they tried to row back to the shore, and they couldn't. Why didn't God just let him get back to the shore and just, I mean, he, he spoke to Jonah. Surely he could have spoke to him again and said, you can run and you can try to hide, but you won't be able to. You will get to where I'm going. Why didn't God just do that? Or why didn't God just step in when he was getting onto the boat? Just, just sink the boat right there before you even get onto it. Just do something to step in and not even let him go in the first place. Why didn't God work that way? Well, it's because God is not working just to get Jonah to do something. He doesn't want him to just do something. He is seeking to align Jonah's heart with God's heart, with his own heart. And Jonah has to wrestle with God. And Jonah has to wrestle with his sin. And Jonah has to wrestle with God's grace which sounds ridiculous, right? Like, why, why would we have to wrestle with God's grace? Why would we not want it? And yet, each and every one of us do it at some point in our lives. And Jonah has to wrestle. He has to struggle. And God is bringing him to a place of surrender. A place of surrender. We may wonder at times, Lord, why did you even let me get this far? 
Why did you even leave this door open? Why didn't you just close this door when you knew how I would end up in the end, when you knew that I would end up running away from you or that I was running away from you? Why did you let me take this job when you knew what it would do to my heart as I started living for the job rather than for you? Why did you let me come into this relationship that I knew I shouldn't have been in? Why didn't you just shut the door right there? Why did you ever let me get in it in the first place? God, why did you let us eat that fruit rather than just stepping in right there in that moment? Well, maybe it's because it's not just that he wanted us to do or not do something, but it's because he wanted to bring our hearts in line with his. He wanted to cultivate a heart of surrender in each of us. And that's what we see in Jonah chapter 2 today. God is cultivating a heart of surrender in Jonah. God has the heart of grace in Jonah needs to have a heart of surrender cultivated in him. So let's look at how God do, does that in this passage. First of all, we see in verses, uh, starting in chapter 117 to 2, verse 2, God cultivates a heart of surrender through showing his great power. God cultivates a heart of surrender by showing his great power. At the end of chapter 1 in verse 17, it says, But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish three days and three nights. So here we see God's means of rescue for Jonah in this situation. It's a big fish, right? We all know that. Milo has, has done a good job in making sure that we remember that this story has a big fish, but it's not about a big fish. The story's not about a big fish, it's about a big God. And, and yet that is how we often remember it, right? The fish is important, but it's not the most important thing. It's not the most important. When we think of it, we might think of Jonah in the fish, or Jonah in the whale, or as my two-year-old says, Jonah in the baby shark. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Whenever I pull out that picture book. It's always a good time with a two-year-old, right? Uh, but what the fish really shows us is not how great a sea creature is, but how great God is. The fish really shows us God's great power, that God is able to command all of creation, and even more, God is able to save us from the deepest of depths. God is able to reach down and save Friends, there is nowhere in all of creation where God is not sovereign. And there is nowhere that you can run from God that he cannot reach. And as long as you live, there is no depth that you can reach that God cannot save. As I read this chapter today, uh, uh, chapter 2, I'm reminded of Psalm 139. Where the psalmist says, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, or in the depths, or in the grave, you are there. See, while Jonah knew 
that God is all-powerful. He, he knew that in his mind. He proclaimed it in chapter 1, verse 9. He now learns what it really means. He now goes from head knowledge to heart knowledge, at least to some degree, at least to some degree. Have you ever experienced anything like this? You thought you knew something, you, you knew the fact, but it wasn't until you experienced it that you really came to know it. Uh, my wife and I are from New Orleans, as, as some of you know. Uh, it's not cold there, uh, exactly. It doesn't snow. We had seen snow three times in our lives uh, before moving here, and one of them we had to go out of town to see it, okay? Uh, we had not seen much snow. Now, when we moved to Buffalo eight and a half years ago, we knew that it was cold, and we knew that it was snowing. And then the Snowvember of 2014 came in our first year, and then we knew that it was cold, and we knew that it was snowing. But even then, we didn't totally learn it. I won't give you all the details of the great heater incident of 2014 at our house, but let's just say our toilet water froze over at some point that winter, uh, and we knew it was cold at that point. That was the time that we really came to learn it. We often experience things that when it comes to, to God's power or character, it's when we experience it that we truly come to know it. We might have known about it, we might have known the fact, but this is when we truly come to know it. There are things that we know, but we don't know. And that's what we have with Jonah here. Jonah knew that God was all-powerful, but once he came to experience that power, then he knew it. He knew it. He came face-to-face -face with it. And he experienced the power of God in his life. Verse 2 basically is a summary of all that Jonah will say for the rest of this chapter. Verse 2, Jonah says, he's, he's saying this from the belly of the whale. He says, in my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help. You listen to my cry. And so as Jonah is praying this from the belly of the whale, what he's actually doing is looking back as he was sinking to the depths of the sea. He's looking back to that, and he is thanking God for what he did in that situation. And Jonah says, I waited until I was sinking to the depths of the sea, until the seaweed was wrapping around my head, until I was in great distress, and I felt the depths of the grave. I waited till then to call out to the Lord, and still, still, he answered me. Even still, he answered me. Even still, he showed his great power. Even still, he reached down as far as I had gone. Church, our God, he is an all-powerful God. And you might have heard that before, and that might have been something that you've said to other people before, but it is when you come to experience it that you really come to know it. Our God is an all-powerful God, and he is a merciful God. I want to tell you something. God is under no obligation whatsoever to use his omnipotence for mercy. 
He does not have to do that. He's chosen to do it. Because an all-powerful God that is not a good God is something that we dread. But an all-powerful God who is a good God, and that is what we have, something to praise. It is something to worship. It is something to surrender to. It is something to surrender all of who we are to. God has chosen to show his all-powerful mercy to a people that he saves for himself. A people who cry out to him for that mercy. And he reaches down to the deepest depths and he saves us. So the only logical question to ask in that case is, why do we even wrestle with God? Why do we even struggle? It seems silly, right? It seems silly when we think about what we know about God. Why do we wrestle with that when we are living with our hearts not surrendering to him? It doesn't make much sense. But God still uses the struggle to bring our hearts in line with his. He still uses the struggle to teach us about who he is and conform us to his image. And so while God begins cultivating a heart of surrender through showing his great power, he continues to cultivate a heart of surrender in us. And he continues to cultivate a heart of surrender through showing the gravity of our sin. Through showing the gravity of our sin. In verses 3 through the beginning of 6, Jonah recounts where his sin had landed him. He is sinking to the depths of the ocean. Jonah thought that he was running away from God in order to find life. In order to find a desirable life. And yet it landed him at the bottom of the ocean. Jonah thought he wanted to get away from God. He thought he wanted to run. But as the reality of his sin sets in, he comes to realize he he doesn't want to go that route. As the reality of his sin, and he's taking his dying breath, well, he's not taking his dying breaths, he's underwater, but he is sinking into depth. He realizes this isn't the route I want to go. And he cannot stand the thought of being separated from God. Verse 4, I am driven away from your sight. Verse 5, the deep surround me. This is all before he looks again to the holy temple of God. Friends, that's the reality of sin. That's the reality of sin is it entices us and it offers us things and it promises us things that it can't deliver on. And it tells us, if you, if you just come this way, if you just come away from God, that's where you will find life. It's exactly what happened in the garden. It's exactly how sin came into this world in the first place. Satan tempted the first people, Adam and Eve. And he said, I, I know God said not to eat that fruit, but that's because God is trying to hide life from you. You will find life in the fruit. And our sin is that way. Our sin is like cheese in a mousetrap, right? It offers you something good, especially if it's that smoke gouda from, from the Griffin Gastropub. Y'all ever been there? Dude, it's, it's good. And if that cheese is in the mousetrap, I'm, really, I'm willing to risk a finger for it, okay? Uh, that's fine. But as a mouse, you're risking much more than a finger. 
But that cheese, it's enticing. And it tells you, just, just leave that shelter that you're in. Leave that hole in the wall. Leave that shelter you're in and come. Come and take life in the cheese. And yet when you take the cheese, it only brings death. It only brings death. That's the promise that sin offers, but it's the death that it actually brings. It's only when we feel the weight of the trap closing on us that we really come to see the reality of our sin. That we really come to see that that's not where life is found. That it doesn't give what it promises. And Jonah finally comes to realize this as he sinks down to the depths of the ocean. So often the way that God brings us to a place of surrender is to feel the gravity of our sin pulling us down into the depths. We have to feel it. We might know it, but we don't know it. We have to feel it and experience it. Notice that it's God at work in all of this. Verse 3, you hurled me into the deep. Your waves and breakers passed over me. This is after God hurled the storm onto the sea. It is God who is helping him to feel the gravity of his sin. Milo mentioned last week how Jonah kept going down and down and down. And now it seems like God is pulling him down just a little bit further. And he's feeling the gravity of his sin. And he's feeling the gravity of what he has done. And God helps us feel the gravity of our sin sometimes. It's not, out of, it's not out of him being mean, it's out of his grace. See, God's grace is not just reactive, it's proactive. It's not that we seek after God's grace, it's that God's grace seeks after us. And sometimes by his grace, he helps us to feel the weight and the gravity of our sin. I pray that God would always give us spiritual eyes. And he would always give us the spiritual sense to be able to see the weight of our sin and to be able to feel, see and feel our need. Because it's, it's one thing to see it, but sometimes you've got to feel it. It's one thing, it's one thing to hear about somebody in a car wreck, dying in a car wreck. It's a whole nother thing to see it. It's a whole nother thing to be there for it. It's one thing to hear on the news about an athlete who collapses at practice. It's another thing to see it live on TV. We have to be able to see the reality of our sin, and we have to be able to feel the weight of that sin that is in our lives and in our hearts. I pray that God would do that for us. Because we need to be able to see it. We need to be able to feel it. That we are dying in our sin. That we are dead in our sin. Unless we have come to experience life through faith in Jesus Christ. We're in need of somebody giving us spiritual CPR. And there is one who does it. There is one who does it. Church, in order to truly know the mercy of God, we have to truly know the depth of our sin. 
we have to truly know the depths of our sin. Have you come to the reality of your sin? Have you seen it? Have you felt the weight of it? The gravity of it? If you have, that's God's mercy. That's his grace in your life, bringing you to that place where you see your need for him. And if you haven't, he may be doing that this morning. He may be doing that right now. He's calling you. He's cultivating a heart of surrender in you. God cultivates a heart of surrender by showing the gravity of our sin. But more than that, God cultivates a heart of surrender through showing the depths of his grace. End of verse 6 through verse 7. Jonah says, But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, O Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. The end of verse 6, Jonah says, yet. Don't you love that word in the Bible? I do. That word yet or but. But God. This is the two greatest words in, in all of Scripture. Jonah says, yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. You sent your waves crashing over me. You were sinking me into the deep, and yet you also are the one who saved me from the depths. You are the one. So this is how it worked. Jonah was the one who sinned. God was the one who helped him to feel the weight of that sin, and God is the one who pulled him up and back to life. God is willing to bring us to the end of ourselves in order that we can come into life. He is willing to bring us to the end of our rope in order that we can come to experience eternal life in him. Jonah says in verse 7, When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. Some of you are here today because you are at the very end of your rope. Maybe you're there now. Maybe there was a time in your life where you were at the very end of your rope. And life didn't make sense, and it didn't make sense why things were happening, and yet God in his mercy showed up in that moment. And when you called out to him, he answered. And he pulled you up from the deeps. He pulled you up from the depths of your sin. And he rescued you. Maybe you're here today and, and that has not happened to you. But I want you to know that your sins, there are many, but God's mercy, it's more. It's more. It's deeper than the depths of your sin. While God has chosen to rescue people from sin, I want you to know it doesn't mean that he doesn't care about it. God rescues from sin, but it doesn't mean he doesn't care about it. It doesn't mean that he looks at our sin and he just sweeps it under the rug and says, I, I didn't see anything. You're good. Just come on in. God does not do that. God was not okay with what Jonah did. That's not why he rescues Jonah, and it's not why he rescues sinners. He does it because of his mercy. He does it because of his mercy. Like that song says, maybe you know it, it says, praise the Lord, 
His mercy is more, stronger than darkness, new every morn. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. There's no greater truth than that, friends. There's no greater truth than that. And God cultivates a heart of surrender through showing his great power. And he cultivates a heart of surrender by showing the gravity of our sin. And he cultivates a heart of surrender by showing the depths of his grace. And so God's grace is what leads us to surrender. It's God's grace that leads us to surrender. God's grace leads us to surrender, and it leads us to surrender to God's grace. Funny how that works, right? It leads us to surrender, and it leads us to the surrender to God's grace. Jonah finally declares what God has been seeking to teach him throughout this entire book. We see it in verse 10. Or, I'm sorry, in verse 9. But I, with the song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. Salvation comes from the Lord. If you look at the Hebrew in that verse, it actually means salvation belongs to the Lord. It's His. It comes from Him because it's His. Because it's His and His alone. So what does that mean? Salvation belongs to the Lord. Well, first of all, it means that there is nothing else and no one else who can save. In verse 8, Jonah recognizes that God's grace is good, but not everyone will turn to it. Salvation, it belongs to the Lord and the Lord alone. We'll see by the end of the book that it also means that you have no say in who God saves. You have no say in who God saves. Salvation, it belongs to the Lord. And it's his and his alone to give. Jonah's salvation did not come from himself. It did not come from a big fish. His salvation comes from God and God alone. And the way that God gives salvation to Jonah is the same as the way that God gives salvation to us. That he sent his one and only son to also go into the depths. But not into the depths of the ocean, but into the depths of the grave taking our sin upon himself, carrying it to the cross, taking our death upon himself, a death that he did not deserve, and taking it to the grave. And, and, and he went down to the grave, not because of his own sin like Jonah, not because of his own sin like us, but because of our sin that he took on himself. And he paid the penalty in full. He took on the full judgment and wrath of God as he went down to the grave. And then on the third day, he burst forth from the grave. Just as Jonah in verse 10 here burst forth through the vomit of a fish, Jesus burst forth from the grave. It's not because the grave vomited him out like the fish vomited Jonah out. It's because Jesus himself by his own power, burst forth from the grave. That is the Savior that we have. It's a better story than a big fish. It's a better story than what we find in the book of Jonah. Jonah is pointing us to Jesus. Jesus is the true and better Jonah. Jesus is the true and better 
fish who rescues us from the deeps, from the depths of our sin. And as we, we, we grasp the gravity of our sin, it should lead us into a place of surrender. Surrender to God's will. Surrender to God's grace. Because it's found nowhere else. God has begun to change a wayward heart in Jonah. He's begun to change a wayward heart. He's shown himself to be greater than a fish, but it's not done yet. There's still two more chapters of the book. And throughout both of those chapters, and especially chapter 4, God is still working to bring Jonah's heart in line with his. Because that's what God does. He continues to do the work. The work that he began, he will complete in us. He continues to do the work of bringing our hearts closer to his. Jonah has begun to learn it, but he will continue to learn it throughout the book. It's good news that God saves us, he brings us into salvation, and he continues to work on us. And he continues to conform our hearts to the heart of God. I'm going to ask the band to, to come on back up as we move into a time of invitation. I want you to know, friends, that while there is nothing tangible on this earth that is deeper and wider than the oceans and the open seas, the depths and the width of our sin and the chasm between us and God is greater still unless we know Jesus Christ. Because the depths and the width of God's mercy and grace in Jesus is wider still. And God is bringing our hearts in line with his. He is aligning our hearts with his and bringing us to a place of surrender. Surrender to his power. Surrender to his will. Surrender to his salvation. And we find it all at the cross of Jesus Christ. We're going to do as Milo has been doing over these past two weeks, and I'm going to invite you. I'm going to give you an invitation to come forward, and I'm going to move on down here that if you feel the Lord working on your heart right now, I'm going to invite you to come down. And if you need to speak to someone, I'm going to be up here, and I'm actually going to ask Sam if you don't mind coming up here because most of you don't know me, and so Sam is, is one of your pastors. And if you would like to come and talk further about what the Lord is doing in your heart, I want you to know that he is calling each and every one of you into surrender today in some kind of way. Our hearts are still not perfectly aligned with his. He is calling you to surrender. And I want to invite you into prayer this morning whether it's from your seat or you want to come up and pray with me or Sam and talk about it further, to go before the Lord and, and to surrender all to him. And so I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and we're going to pray, and then I'm going to invite you to come back up while the band is playing. Let's go before the Lord God. We trust that you are greater than a great big fish. We trust that your mercy is deeper than the deepest depths of the sea. And it's deeper than the deepest depths of our sin. We trust in that, Lord. There's still much to surrender in our lives. 
those things that we put fences around in our hearts, Lord, and we say, mine. But you're saying, no, mine. God, I pray that you would speak that into our hearts this morning as we go before you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can go ahead and stand. And if you want to come forward and pray this morning, Sam and I will be up here uh, to pray with you.
still like to talk with someone, I'll be uh, in the back afterwards. Or if you need to, just go to somebody else in the congregation and, and lay out to them what God is laying on your heart. And I'd invite you, if somebody does that, to, to listen and to pray for that person. But we're going to close out uh, finishing this song, and I'll be in the back afterwards uh, for anyone who would like to continue to pray. close this morning I have the benefit if you will of singing this song with knowledge that you don't have and so I'll ask you to be in prayer for us uh, this morning. The reason I'm leading worship here this morning and Bethany is not you saw the email go out this week that there was a crisis in her family that her brother had been rushed to the hospital in Idaho and we did get word yesterday that her brother passed away, Miles in his 30s uh, passed away. And so will you, even in these moments here, Josh, would you continue to play for just a moment? Just to, will you pray for Bethany? 
for the Fonda family. That's the last name. Just pray for them as they are processing through tremendous amount of grief and struggle and, and wonder of what is going on. How did this happen? And then at the same time, that as we say these words, I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken. That those words would actually ring true in our hearts here today, given what Dan has spoke on and what we profess as Christians and as believers. So let's pray for Bethany. you, we lift our voices to you this morning, but we do so knowing that we must put our trust in you. Lord, you are forming our hearts and for forming us, molding us into who you would have us to be. As our dear sister Bethany and the rest of the family goes through tremendous amount, tremendous amounts of trial and struggle and concern and worry, I pray that you would be with them this morning. Lord, that during these moments that there would be an overwhelming peace that passes all understanding that would come over them knowing that God's people are praying for her, for Isma, her husband, and for the rest of the extended family. We love you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. We decided a few moments ago not to share that when all the kids were in the service. We just felt like that might be more appropriate with the adults. We're going to close this morning. We've got the kiosk in the back. Pastor Dan will be in the back as well. I'll make my way back there in just a few moments. Uh, but let's read this together, and maybe it has a different meaning as we uh, contextualize uh, what's going on around us. Um, we've got a Bills game today. There's a lot to be excited about, but let's keep our minds on the main thing. Let's read this together. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace, friends. Have a great week.